Thank you so much for joining the Gen Church Wa podcast. We are a community of everyday people committed to expanding God's family together because of Jesus for generations to come. It's 2022, or should I say, we're almost halfway through 2022. And we have so many exciting events, gatherings, and opportunities for you to connect around Generations Church. If you'd like to learn more about these events, gatherings, and opportunities, head on over to mygenerations.church to learn more. Let's respond to the scripture and spirit together. Before Kyle comes up, um, let's read from 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 11. This is discussing uh, collections with the Jerusalem church. Now about the collections for the saints. Do the same as I instructed the Galatian church. On the first day of the week, each of you is to set something aside and save in keeping with how he is prospering, so that no collections will be made, will be need to be made when I come. When I arrive, I will send with letters those you recommend to carry your gifts to Jerusalem. If it is suitable for me to go as well, they will travel with me. I will come to you after I pass through Macedonia, for I will be traveling through Macedonia, and perhaps I will remain with you or even spend the winter, so that you may send on my way wherever I go. I don't want to see you now just passing, in just passing, since I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord allows. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, because a wide door for effective ministry has opened for me. Yet many oppose me. If Timothy comes... See that he has nothing to fear while with you, because he is doing the Lord's work just as I am. So let no one look down on him, send him on his way in peace, so that he can come to me because I am expecting him with the brothers. All right. Finals. Finals, finals, finals. Quiz time. All right, someone go back to week number two and give me the main point. Oh, wait, no, sorry. Just kidding. I got a, he referenced it, so I, I had to pull it out. If you are just joining us, welcome to the last week of Masterclass. You get the synopsis all in one. If you've been joining us for this series overall, what we are just so excited to at least I'm excited to conclude this master class series that began clear back in October. So eight months later, we are wrapping up this series. And just to give you a synopsis of, of why we do that, one of the reasons that uh, I teach through books of the Bible is because I want to make sure that, especially in this cultural moment, it can be very easy to like avoid certain difficult topics or not want to talk about certain things. And so when we work through books of the Bible together, we're faced with our own fears, our own insecurities, our own difficulties, and have to wrestle with our own soul and our own faith. And so really what this whole goal of this master class series has been to ask and answer the question, what does it mean to be spiritual? There are a lot of definitions in our day of age of what it means to be spiritual. And for the Christian, for the follower of Jesus, it means to be spiritual is to filter all of life 
through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And it's really easy to talk a good game. To, 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 you know, say words to kind of like build yourself up to be like, oh, I can do it. Got to pump myself up. You know, like maybe you're coming up here to speak and it's like got to self-talk your way up so that you can go or before a big game, you know, you got to get in that right mind. You got the walkout song so that you're all ready to go and, and, you're, and you're pumped and ready to go. But our talk must be backed up in action. And Paul has said some very loving but difficult words to the church in Corinth. And as Paul concludes his letter, his pastoral plea to this church to live the ways of Jesus in every area of life, in areas that they're ready to live, in areas that they're not quite ready to acquiesce to, that they're withholding some part, portion of themselves from giving truly over to Jesus, or even ways that they're flatly saying, no, I don't want to go there. And Paul's like, no, open this area of your life to Jesus. He wants to bring healing and transformation. He wants you to know that, that you're not alone and that when you hold on to this area of your life, when you do things this way, what you're actually doing is settling for a lesser version of humanity. And so as Paul wraps up this letter with what I like to call, it's just like these bite-sized statements where he's like, I got to get these last words and I'm running out of parchment. And I got to get the people to hear my heart and hear these last few words. He does so with an intent, with a pastoral plea to let them know that he has heard them, he has listened to them, but he is responding to them with the words he has received from God. And so Paul has written this letter to people in a real time, in a real place, who's been embattled. They, they question his authority. They question his wisdom. They question his ways. And Paul's resolve is to write them a letter, is to be more than just words. In fact, his last words reiterate how action and presence with people, even in the midst of tension, is powerful. And ultimately, like Jesus. How comfortable are you with tension? I'm not talking like the stress, you know, between the shoulder blades. I don't think any of us are, get really ever used to that. Tension in relationships. Tension is something pulled tight, where it's not quite at the point of, of bending or breaking, but pressure is felt. But too much tension for too long could cause fraying and maybe even a sudden snap and fracture. Everyone's about to get them. There we go. See? Pressure, tension, conflict, chaos, an issue. But what happens, what happens is that if what is keeping the tension isn't made of the right material, then it will snap. Things that are made to withstand tension will keep that tension well. And when tension exists, 
there may be opportunity and opposition. Relationships are messy. It's something that I've said as I've stood up here time and time again. Relationships are no walk in the park. It involves two people. A good friend says people are the variable. You can't account, you can't control, you can't, even your best effort to manipulate or try to control or try to orient, that doesn't always work out well. In fact, it tries to force people and control people so, and we forget that they have a will. So relationships by pure existence are messy. One modern solution to relieving tension and the messiness of relationships is something called ghosting. You've all experienced it, maybe not that word, but that, that, that phrase or the action of it where you reach out to someone and they simply stop responding. They just disappear on you. Where you're in relationship, you're in conversation, and they just stop. Some of you have ghosted other people because in your mind, it's easier to just disconnect, walk away, ignore, shut the door and kind of take your ball and go home and leave than have maybe a difficult conversation. Realize that your wills are in conflict or recognize that you may have very real differences and you're not quite sure how to resolve them. Rather than be self-aware enough to recognize the inconsistency, the conflict, and frankly, just call out the tension that you feel. It's easy to just ghost. But ghosting isn't meant for the church. If we believe in the resurrection of the dead, then the reality is that you're going to see each other in eternity. So if we're followers of Jesus, if we're surrendered to Jesus and we love him, that means your brothers and sisters in Christ, you will see again. So while it may be easier to go snow in your soul, it actually does some long-term conflict because at the end of the day, we are united around Jesus. And we must begin to recognize that the material that holds our relationships together are not our sports team affiliations, are not our common activities, are not our different church preferences, are not, uh, the list could go on, things that you find enjoyable, but our common bond must be Jesus because when we are oriented around Jesus, we can withstand the tension when there's difference of preferences, when there's different even sometimes beliefs about non-essential issues. And so what Paul is saying is he's not willing to ghost this church. He's willing to come for them and come to them to make sure that the tension is resolved. Because everything isn't great between this church and their founder. There's real tension. And Paul's continued refrain is to become what you are. Do not settle for Jesus branding when it suits you. Live your faith, your identity in Christ every day. Because when you begin to live that and believe that and stand that, you will move towards each other to resolve differences rather than run away. 
And so Paul is fully aware that there is some tension, some conflict between him and the Corinth church. In his letter, he will likely even cause more. But Paul's solution at the end of the letter is to increase his communication with them about his travel plans and his cause due to his concern. He intends to visit them. And at a glance, we may seem to think that Paul executes these plans precisely as described. First, Paul describes, he's like, hey, I'm going to come to you at this time, such and such place. Where you're going to set some collection aside. This is how it's going to go. And he starts to lay out this grand travel plan. Because there's some famine in the churches in Jerusalem. And the, specifically, the poor are struggling. So Paul is revisiting the churches he planted so that they can set aside money to be taken to bless another church and its poor. He's clear about his cause. But the plan goes sideways. And he was unable to do so due to the pain of relationships. More on that here in a moment. But Paul's intention here is that we should be open-handed about what we have and recognize that what binds us and what, what connects us is Jesus. And in our common mission surrounded about Jesus, we can be open-handed about what we have, whatever we have. And in this form, he talks about taking a collection. And even in the midst of tension, even in the midst of relational pain, the church must not forget that the material our bond is made of is that of our love for Jesus. Thus, we can keep our focus on the mission. Thus, we can be generous and hold all that we have loosely at our fingertips to be ready to give and bless others. And it's not easy to be generous in the midst of tension and messy relationships. It's easier to withhold and to be close-handed with what you have. But Paul's call in the midst of a difficult letter at its conclusion is to remind them to be generous, that they have a larger family to care for, and they should act in accordance with that. And Paul's plans, like I said, were to go to Ephesus, then Macedonia, then on to Corinth in the winter, that he would first send Timothy to them, and most likely because he knew that the sentiment against himself in this church was not going to be ideal, he's like, hey, don't take out your anger, Don't take out your frustration of what's in this letter on Timothy. Because Timothy was going to have to stand in front of the church all at once and read this letter to them. And if you can imagine, the guy who's sleeping with his mother-in-law is probably sitting on the second row and hearing that for the first time in front of a large group of people. And Timothy's got to be the one who's already a little bit timid, already a little bit shy, stand up and declare something with boldness that Paul has written. And so that's not going to be easy. But Paul's like, hey, don't direct your anger at Timothy. Hear that these words come from me because I want what's best for you. So make sure that he doesn't lack anything. Because again, in tension and conflict, it's easier to withhold than to be generous. So he is there on my behalf. So make sure he has everything he needs and that he can go on his way without fear. The very fact that such a strong warning is issued is evidence enough for Paul's 
concern. He wants to remind them that they are part of that larger family. But like I said, plans got messy. And Paul, the next letter, what we have as 2 Corinthians, which might be another letter uh, that's actually after, what we learn is that Paul actually did the exact opposite of this. His plans changed. Instead of going to Ephesus and then Macedonia and then spend the winter in Corinth, what happened is Timothy got there and things were way worse. And so Paul said, I got to change my plans and I got to come to you directly. Rather than stay away, Paul came and moved towards the church. And he paid them a quick visit by sea, hoping that they would send him on his way then back to Macedonia. And then from Macedonia, he'd return to Corinth so that they would send him on his way with the money to Jerusalem. But this very brief visit developed into a major crisis in Paul's relationship with this church, which took at least two more letters and two visits from Titus to straighten out. So relationships are simple, right? (laughs) When we're calling people not out, by identifying sin, when we call people up to the ways of Jesus, that's not always received well. And it might take time and effort and energy and a change of plans to move towards people so that they can hear and experience and so you can work things out well. Because he wasn't ready to go to Corinth at the time of writing, but Paul knew that their spiritual health was important. It's interesting to note that Paul references Ephesus here. He says, hey, I see much opportunity, but there are also many who oppose. And he's not afraid to go to Ephesus, and it really could be applied to Corinth. See, there's this really dangerous idea that exists. It's where Christians decide that we are in God's will when we're happy and there's no pushback and no resistance. Difficulty isn't a sign of being outside God's will. We think if, if, we have, if it's easy, we're right in step with God. But sometimes, again, a little tension, a little difficulty is present in our lives to stretch us, to grow us, to recognize that it's an opportunity for growth and that that opposition that is present isn't there to discourage us or to be difficult for difficult sake, but rather to help us return to the reason that we're making the choice to begin with, which is hopefully to live our faith every day, to be connected with God. So tension isn't a sign of being outside God's will. Sometimes our nature, when we're in a hard spot, it's easier to just pack up and go home because things have not matched the pitch picture of what we thought they would look like so it's easier to just ghost or remove or step away when things get difficult and rather than step away rather than run from difficulty Paul increases his communication with the church he says I'm going to step into the tension knowing that as I'm connected to God as I know my identity and I, he sees the other identities that they have in Christ. He begins the letter with saints in Corinth, grace and peace to you. When we see people as people love children of God, 
not as enemies. We can freely move towards people rather than run away because they are not our enemies. We can move towards them. And so tension isn't, or the lack thereof, isn't a sign of being in God's will. Sometimes tension, like strengthening a muscle, you need to exercise. You need some resistance to grow stronger in your walk. And so what we can learn from Paul here is as he increases his presence, we can learn from Paul to be open-handed in our plans. That sometimes for the sake of of the love and the grace of Jesus. What we want to do, what we must do, what we have to do, we actually need to let go and allow the Spirit to lead and be more responsive and be more open-handed with our plans and recognize that the picture we have in our minds may not be the picture or the plans that God has for us. And difficulty doesn't automatically mean you're outside of God's will, nor does the easy way mean that you are within God's will. And then Paul also makes one interesting request in verse 12. He says, about our brother Apollos, I strongly urge him to come to you with brothers, but he was not at all willing to come now. He will come when he has an opportunity. If I go back and read in the beginning of the letter, there were fanboys and fangirls of Apollos. Surely, Paul wouldn't send Apollos back to Corinth to just stir the fire a little bit, to to mix it up, because that's what one of the divisions was happening. So why would Paul send someone back who there was all kinds of divisions over and around? And I think two things about this request are especially significant for this letter. First, this is sure evidence that Paul does not consider Apollos himself responsible for the trouble addressed at the beginning of the letter. Don't shoot the messenger. Paul's saying is, I'm not holding Apollos accountable. He did nothing wrong. He watered. He did what God asked him to do. But I can look at those who respond from that encounter. And there's an accountability that must take place. They must stop their divisiveness and return to Christ. And by Paul's call to send Apollos back or desire to, it demonstrates that he and Apollos are good, that they're co-workers in God's service. For Paul's point of view, there's no rivalry between them. I think the second thing that it points out here is that the work of God, the proclamation of God within the midst of the church, within the midst of the world, is God's thing. It's God's alone. And so too, therefore, is his church. The church Paul argues strenuously, belongs to neither himself, nor to Apollos, nor to them. The church belongs to God through Christ. And all of its ministers, including the founders, are merely servants. This final word about Apollos is living evidence that Paul is as good as his word. If the church in Corinth were Paul's, the last person that Paul would want to send would be Apollos. The real pressure would be to keep him away, to reduce the conflict for some time until things cooled off. But not so for Paul. Apollos watered what Paul had planted, and all things are theirs in Christ Jesus, including Apollos. So for the sake of the growth of the community, 
he can urge Apollos to return despite some of the inherent difficulties that would entail. I think one of the byproducts of relational tension is gossip. Where you text or you talk about people rather than talk with or to people. Where you allow conversations about specifically the sins of others flourish in your presence. It's not necessarily false information gossip is. Slander is false. Gossip might include true information. And maybe that's why gossip doesn't always feel so sinful. But gossip spreads what can include accurate information to diminish another person. That is not how people behave when they are living in the power of the grace of God. And I think about Paul here in this moment. When he writes this letter to the Corinthian church, he's not gossiping about Apollos. He's saying, this is what Apollos came to do. And I am so convinced that Apollos was to water what I had planted, that I'm going to send him back so we can make sure the air is cleared so that the difficulty can be dealt with. I'm not going to run and hide. I'm not going to push him to the side and say, ah, maybe it'll work itself out. No, we're going to move towards people. And I think sometimes it's easy to talk about people or talk about the sins of others rather than deal with the person themselves. And Paul here demonstrates at the end of his letter that as he talks to them about what has happened, he said, I'm also making sure those who have been talked about are going to be there in your presence. And now Paul wasn't ready to go yet. But Paul wants them to know that he's not running from the difficult conversations that could result in the sending of Apollos. That maybe even Apollos was going to have to have himself. But sometimes us, we, we resort to gossip in our dark moral fervor, eagerly seeking gratification to make us feel right. To make us feel in control. Like we have all the information that we are important and needed as we declare our judgments. It makes us feel included to know the inside scoop. It makes us feel powerful to cut someone else down to size, especially someone we're jealous of. It makes us feel righteous, even responsible to pronounce someone else guilty and wrong. Gossip can feel good in multiple ways, especially in control. Instead of simply talking about Apollos in his letter, he evidently has talked with Apollos and urged him to help remedy the situation. See, Paul is not pulling any punches. In fact, at the end of the day, he's being open-handed and saying, I know I'm going to move towards people. And he combines the being open-handed with plans and open-handed with, with generosity into a real tangible situation. See, this letter that he writes is not some abstract meant to pull out whenever we choose to weaponize. Rather, it's meant to be embodied and lived in real relationships. Thus, the ender ends on a note similar to its beginning. Full of the same tensions between what they are by the grace of God yet what they need to become in terms of response to Christ. Paul greets them with warmth, assured of Christ's grace and Paul's love, and saying, I love you so much, I cannot let this go. Along with him, they await the coming of the Lord, and that they should continue to greet one another, and they should greet him with that kiss of love later on in chapter 16, that holy kiss. However, they are not yet fully there. So even here, there's a word of warning. Paul asserts their need to obey. 
But instead of putting it in terms of their obeying him, he puts it in the ultimate language of Christian obedience. He says, if anyone does not love the Lord, it is what seem covers the whole letter. To insist on human wisdom over and against the gospel of the crucified one is to not love the Lord. So, living with incense, attending idol feasts, and so forth. The ultimate issue for Paul, therefore, is not obedience to his word or his way, but of their love or lack thereof for the Lord himself. Paul says, you must be able to respond to Christ. And out of that response to Christ will come action. You must foster that love for the Lord because that is why you respond in faith for others. That is why we run towards people in difficult and tense situations is not because you want them to do what you want them to do, but because you love the Lord and you want them to love the Lord and you hope that in their loving of the Lord, they would do the same to you when difficult situations arise, that they would come to you. And if he says that if you do anything out of that is not love of the Lord, let oneself be under that anathema. See, Christians, as Paul concludes, must continually live in the tension between the already and not yet. What they must not allow to happen is to excuse themselves from obedience because they are not yet fully there. The grace of the Lord and the hope of his coming should cause all to heed the words of this letter so as to be watchful and to do all things in love. Rather than just exist on the negative, don't gossip, don't ghost, I believe the church is called to really three things as I wrap up here and the band starts to come forward. The first that I alluded to earlier is generosity. When it feels easy or necessary to withhold, be generous. It's easy to close our hands, to take what's ours and go home. Generosity is open-handedness with what we have. Time, money, energy. Will that lead to the second one? Which is grace. We fail to exercise or give grace when we hold two people to our standard than the standard we've been held to. So you're not held to your own standard. You're held to the standard of Jesus on the cross that was righteousness, was perfection, lived the life that we could not live. And in and through God's eyes, he sees you as loved and whole and complete. Your sins are as far away as the east is from the west, so he doesn't see all the wrong that you've done. He doesn't see your fears, failures, or mistakes. He sees you as a loved child of God, and we can hold other people to that same standard and recognize that they are loved. They're loved children of God. And so we can give them grace and hold them and live in that standard. And then the last is greet. That we can be direct and have conversations. We can talk about things, but we must move towards people. We must not run away. And Paul, I love what he says in that holy kiss line, which is a kiss on that cheek that he describes. It's a sign of being family that the early church adopted. Being a church family is difficult. It's not easy, it's messy. 
There may be things that we identify in others and we say, but they should be more like this. Rather, I'd invite us to turn and look at ourselves and how do we become more like Christ? How do we learn to live loved and treat others as loved? And in doing so, we will go from people with closed fists, ready to knock someone out at the first sign that they do wrong, and live with generosity and greet them well. And God is glorified when people act in love, when people put the welfare of others first and worship in a way that is consistent with his own character. Self-sacrificing love is the model given to us by Christ. It's the key to health and growth of his church and to the maturing of both individuals and the communities to which they belong. Christ-like love is a principal manifestation of God's renewed humanity. It's a sign that God is at work in us and the work which will ultimately result in the resurrection of the dead and our complete renewal that has already begun in us. Live as if you are loved and in so love others by not running from conflict or tension, being generous and giving grace in all things. Let's stand and let's sing together. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of the Gen Church Walk podcast. I hope today's teaching encouraged you and maybe even challenged you to respond to the scripture and the spirit so that you can live your faith every day. Thanks for checking us out. Have a great week.